We're going to be in Ezekiel 37 this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and flip there to Ezekiel 37. We're going to be in um, verses 1 through 14. And if you are one to go ahead uh, to, if you take notes in your Bible, you can go ahead and break out a pen or a pencil or a highlighter or whatever you want to, because I got a few things that I kind of want, I want you to have with you for a while, as long as you have that Bible, that specific Bible. So, um, it's cool, y'all. I, I love that last song that they just did, because, man, it, it's powerful to say what you actually believe. And then it's cool that God has a way of always lining things up, because what they just sang about, we're going to dabble in a little bit this morning. So, <laughs> if that's okay with y'all. So, I'm going to pray, and then we'll go ahead and read Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14, okay? So, let's pray. <clears throat> God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the words of, those, uh, of that song that they just sang, God. Being able to praise you and lift you up and ex- being able to exclaim that this is what we believe and know for certain that it's true. God, that we're not singing empty words, but God, that we are singing words that have so much significant value because we're singing about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that as we read your word this morning, I pray that we can see Jesus here plainly because this text is a gospel text. God, so I pray that as we read it, God, that we can soak it in and know that you're speaking to us the same way you were speaking to Ezekiel and to Israel. And God, I just thank you for your word. I pray that we can experience you this morning, encounter your word, and then carry it with us. As we leave this building, I pray that it's not something that just that stays behind and that just goes in one ear and right out the other. God, I pray it sticks with us. God, we thank you for who you are and what you do. You are amazing. We love you. Help us to love you more. And it's all in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so Ezekiel 37. We have finally made it to a little reprieve uh, of hope. <laughs> As we've been going through uh, the prophets, um, the prophets are difficult to read if you read them all one right after the other, aren't they? Because um, it, it can seem kind of dismal at times. Um, it, it can honestly get to the point where it's not a lot of fun, but it's important to read it. It's important to know it because we then get to see their trajectory in the art of God's faithfulness to his people right? It's a cool thing to be able to read and know. And yes, I understand if it is, if you got to Ezekiel and were like, okay, I got to take a break. This is the break for you today, okay? So take courage. This is a fun passage to look at. So if you've uh, grown up in church, you probably know a little something about this story. It's the Valley of Dry Bones, okay? Um, this is a really cool passage, not just because it talks about bones, but because we get to see um, we get to see how God works, not just physically, because no doubt God works physically, right? But how He works spiritually, and how He works within us. So let's read Ezekiel thirty-seven verses one through fourteen. Here we go. Oh, and go ahead and break out that pen or pencil if you didn't already do it. So here we go. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. Okay, so already, I want you to go ahead and highlight something, okay? In the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. Both of those things. 
So before we continue, I just want to tell you a little bit about this picture, this setting that he's given us. Uh, the middle of the valley is not what you would experience if you went west six hours, okay? The valleys that are up there is not what he's talking about here. The word in Hebrew means it's a wide and open and vast valley, okay? So kind of picture um, the sound of music, okay? The rolling hills, you got it in your mind? Okay, now add to that picture full of bones, all right, you got it? Okay, that's where Ezekiel was just dropped. And so continuing on, he said, He led me all around them. They, there were a great many of them on the surface of the valley. That's another thing I want you to highlight. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley. And they were, another one, very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Okay, so... There's a great many of them, right? So if the picture in your mind that we're working through had a few bones scattered here and there, it's wrong, okay? What this field was was a battleground, right? Because it tells us later that it was an army. So there were bones galore, all right? You probably couldn't walk five feet or take the next step without stepping on a bone. And then on top of that, these bones were very dry. So guess what? They had been sitting there a long time. Do y'all know how long it takes for a bone to dry out? I didn't either. I had to look it up. It takes years, okay? It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that takes years and years and years for it to fully dry out. And then not just dry out a little bit, right? But it says the bones were very dry. You have to pay attention to these adjectives when the Bible uses them, it's very dry. Like you probably could have picked it up, thrown it, and it probably would have shattered it was that dry, right? And then God said to Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? I don't, Ezekiel gave the right answer, but if God had to ask me, I probably would have said something smart. It probably wouldn't have been the right, I know it wouldn't have been the right answer, but you just look out and you see there's a, there's a plane just laying out ahead of you full of bones. And it's almost like God has the audacity and the sense of humor to, to ask, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And again, he gave the right answer. He said, I replied, Lord God, only you know. Because you, you have to think back. Ezekiel was familiar with his, future, with his past, right, and his ancestors. He knew the stories of Elijah and Elisha and how in their ministries there were kids that were raised and healed, right? People had risen from the dead before, but they weren't bones, okay? So he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. Okay, so the picture that I gave the last hour was, does anybody, well, let me ask this first. Does anybody like chicken salad? Okay, do you like making it yourself or you go down to the chicken salad chicken Wilmington? Okay, I'm not promoting business. I'm just trying to figure it out, okay? Okay, so if you make your own and use, use a rotisserie chicken, 
to make it and you strip that carcass, there's nothing left. Do you think that you could blow on that chicken carcass and it walk, jump up, start clucking? No, that doesn't happen. If it could, our food chain would be in a lot better shape. But, um, but no, it doesn't happen. But God, it's the coolest phrase I'll say all day, okay? But God, he will cause breath to enter and you will live. Notice it doesn't say that he's just going to breathe on it, but he's going to cause breath to enter into the bones so that they will live. And I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and while I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breath come from the four winds and breathe into these slain. So that tells us a little bit about who we're dealing with, right? These were people slain. So that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life. Okay, that was just like, mic drop, okay? And stood on their feet a vast army. Okay, so you remember whenever I said it's not just a bone scattered here and there? Could you imagine being dropped out in the middle of a field? You prophesy over bones. You start hearing them rattle. And next thing you know, not just a tiny army or a group of a hundred, but a vast army stood up. This is what Ezekiel is seeing, okay? Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up. This is what the army is saying, okay? Our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished and we are cut off. It's a sad reality. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people. That's another one you can highlight, my people. And lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord. That's another one you can highlight. My people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put, here's another one, my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in Here's another one. Your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. All right, so that's a lot better than the rest of Ezekiel, ain't it? <laughs> Let's be honest. But here's the thing, though. There's a reality in that text, and that is that dry bones exist, Okay? Because we may not see dry, it, it may not be a real thing for us in our culture, right? But dry bones do exist. They exist everywhere. And whenever you see bones, I don't, I don't typically think of that person's alive because it, it's an oxymoron, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. That doesn't compute. Whenever we see bones, we automatically think death. Right, especially if they've been chilling out on the beach for 
years and years and years and years and years, right? They were sun bleached. They were baked in. There's no life there. So what has happened is we're dealing with Israel, right? This is what Ezekiel is seeing. He is seeing Israel's past, their history. And if you really want a good picture about how God thinks about Israel's history, I would tell you to go read Ezekiel 16. Um, It's not a fun chapter, and I'm not going to read it this morning. Read it by yourself. It is one that will almost bring you to tears just because of seeing how how much God loves his people, and yet they continue to turn their back on him. It wasn't just a one-time occurrence, right? Like, it happened so often that it just became their way of life. Their idolatry became a way of life. And it's not something that just Israel is limited to, right? But we can do the same thing. We can make idolatry a way of life. And I will step out a little bit further and say that we tend to do that often, unfortunately. And then whenever we step into that, because we have stepped away from the source of life, we start to feel just like that army did and feel like, oh, we're cut off and our bones are dry. Yes, they have skin, but they said that their bones still felt dry. We have a human frame, but no substance within it, right? That's what the dark night of the soul is. That's what a dry season feels like, is you're dipping the bucket in the well, and before you get it to the top, you realize that there was a hole in it, and it's empty. That's what a dry season feels like, and that's what Israel was going through. It's just it had been a very long one. So we've got to take a look at our own lives too, right? Like idolatry creeps in. It does. And that's not for me to judge. That's for each one of us to say, God, point out to me these areas in my life that you are not first. Because anywhere he's not first, it's an idol. And that's what what leads to to dryness. It leads to death. And guess what? Even further, one of of my favorite uh, authors, I love his books, um, Craig Groeschel. You know what he calls somebody who lets idolatry creep in and become a way of life? He calls him a Christian atheist because we say we're Christians up front but then act like he's not even real or act like he's not even there. We've got to fight hard against that, guys. And all of this may sound really bleak, right? Because when we see death and when we see idolatry rising up within ourselves, we're like, how do we crush this? The cool part is that there's hope, and I don't think that's a big surprise. Like, we know that. If you've grown up in church, you know that there is hope. But whenever things get so dark and so bleak and so dismal, you do have to remind yourself that God doesn't like death. God doesn't see death. Do you think that whenever he saw the death in the valley, those bones in the valley, that he was like, it's useless, I can't do anything? No, instead, what did he say? He said, I'm going to cause you to live, right? In verse 5, he says, this is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I like that. I like that. um, That is like a declarative statement. There is no if, ands, buts, or maybes in his speaking right there. 
I've got a fav- I've got a song. It's not really a song. It's kind of like a spoken word, but it's all about faith. And one of the phrases in there that I absolutely love is that to grow our faith, we need to understand that God's speaking is his doing. Whenever God says it, it will be done. There is no there is no questions that can be asked of it. God's speaking is his doing, right? And so whenever I think of this, when um, and, and as I've prayed about and read through this passage, uh, all those things, the one picture that just still keeps popping up in my mind is what um, we're going through in Coastline, the young adult group. We're going through the book of John. Um, and we just finished chapter 12, but in that section, um, verse 24, John 12, 24, it says, Truly I tell you, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Okay, so that verse in context is Jesus talking about and telling all his disciples how he's going to die. And they don't understand. They thought the Messiah was going to be a king to come and reign, physically reign over all the nations. That's what they thought was going to happen. And he didn't realize he was going to die. So as he's telling them, he brings this up. And his point is to show them that just because they see death, just because they see him hanging on a cross, and just because they see a spear pierce his side, doesn't mean that he's actually spiritually dead, right? Because the reality of this passage is that it's not talking about physical. It's talking about spiritual. He didn't spiritually die. He physically died. Whenever we see death, God sees life because he is the one who can do something about it. And he is in charge. So as we pivot to verse 9, verse 9 is kind of the turning point, right? Uh, It says, uh, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, Breath come from the four winds and breathe uh, into these slain so that they may live. Okay, so like I said, the bones came together, tendons came together, muscles connected, and whenever that happened, they just laid there. Because what does a body need to be truly alive? It's breath, right? Vitality. Scientists still can't explain what causes, well, they know what causes, but how it just seems like there's just a light switch that happens. And I'll tell you what it is. It's the the spirit, God's spirit, right? We can't do anything without the spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. And he is the only one that can take the dry bones and raise them back up to life. And God will do it every time. So this breath that he's calling them to breathe, that he is, sorry, (laughs) this breath that God is telling Ezekiel to prophesy and to breathe into these bones and into these human forms is the ruach, It's the Holy Spirit. It's the breath of life, the thing that gives vitality. Right? That's when they stand up. 
It doesn't stop there, though. Because even though these frames are alive and they have the breath of life in them, they still recognize something, right? It's kind of a sad reality. Um, let's see, it says... Yeah, verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, and we are cut off. What do you think they were talking about? They were talking about their distance between them and God. They were talking about their relationship between them and God. So, they see that there is something still there. They see that there is still idolatry. They know that there's their past. And they feel that distance between them and God. They know that dry season is real. But, but God, again, best thing you'll hear from me all day. He says, come alive. And after they recognize their dryness and after they recognize their distance and after they reconnect with God, what does God do? God calls them his people. God calls them, uh, gives them his spirit. God promises them that they will live. And then he sets them down in their own land that he promised them. And then, to top it all off, like I said, his speaking is his doing. He promises them that this will happen because he's said it. Okay, so the question for us today is, what does this mean for us, right? Because the text can't mean for us what it didn't mean for them, right? So what do you think Israel saw in this? They saw restoration, right? We've seen judgment all through. Like I said, if you've been reading through Ezekiel and through all the other prophets, it's not fun. You see judgment. But the judgment is necessary to show us our need for a great God and to know that there can be restoration even amidst dry seasons, deadness, and feeling cut off from him, right? The cool part is that God is in charge of that too. God is in charge of it. So what do we do when we feel those dry times, those dry seasons and feel cut off? We need to pray. We need to, um, another verse you can write down for later, Ezekiel 18, 30 through 32 uh, he says, therefore, house of Israel, I will judge each one of you according to his ways. This is the declaration of the Lord. Repent and turn from all your rebellious acts so that they will be, not become a sinful stumbling block to you. Throw off all the transgressions you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why should you die, house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in anyone's death. This is the declaration of the Lord. So repent and live. Y'all, that, that's, that's for us just as much as it was for them. He doesn't want death. He doesn't want the distance between us and him. In fact, he went all the way and did it himself, provided us salvation by having Jesus die for our sins, right? Taking upon him the wrath of God and dying for us. 
So if there's anybody who can do something about it, it's God. All we have to do is trust, pray, repent, and live. Right? Repent means to turn around and run. Do a 180 and run in the opposite direction. Repent from your transgressions and repent from the idolatry. And then you'll live. You'll not just have life. You'll not just be a human frame. But you'll have life abundant. And I think I can speak for every single one of us in here that that's what we all want, right? We want that life abundant. In Greek, it's called zoe. It's different from physical life. In Greek, that's bios. It's fun to read through the New Testament and see how, when each word is used. But we want full life. I don't think anybody in here would say, I just want to humdrum life and get by. That's not the kind of life that God's got for you. What he does promise is that you don't have to be dry in it, though. And that's a great and beautiful promise. So uh, I'm going to end here today because we actually have uh, someone coming up after me uh, here in just a minute. Um, she's going to share about her ministry. Uh, she's a missionary. Um, so uh, we're going to turn off the cameras after the song. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up. We're going to do our invitation. Um, but afterwards, you know, worship, and then we'll sit back down and hear from uh, our missionary, okay? So let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the truthfulness of the words you have, uh, you, you've written. God, we're thankful for the life that you offer, God, that whenever we see death, God, you see life because you are the one who can restore it and revive it. God, we thank you that you revive us. God, you don't leave us in, our, in the conditions that we find ourselves in, God, and, and put ourselves in. Instead, God, you, you lift us up. God, you put us back together and knit us back together. God, and then you breathe the breath of life within us. God, we thank you for the good news of the gospel, knowing that Jesus is the way to that. And God, I pray that if anybody is here that doesn't know him, God, I pray that they will tell somebody that they want to know about him. Because dryness sucks. God, death is not, is not what you even desire. So God, help us to feel that vitality to know it exists, to know that you are the source of it. Help us to chase after you and to run to you and away from all the things that want to try to kill us. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for loving us. Help us to love you more. We thank you and it's all in your precious name we pray. Amen.